listening to Victory and Labang Podcast. We hope this message encourages and inspires you today. Happy Sunday, Victory family. And really, this Sunday, we're gathered for the glory of God. And if, you, if this is your first time to be with us this Sunday, we're Victory. We exist to honor God and make disciples. And we don't just say that, we mean it. In fact, the series that you are in, joining this second week, we've been talking about something really important for us. Um, we've entitled the series Generation We. Last week, Pastor Ariel talked about you know how we as, as two generations, several generations really, are joined by this great God who actually empowers us. And today, we're continuing that series and we're talking about the things that we really value. One of those things really, the next generation. In fact, in this series, we're thinking about how we, as people coming from different generations, come together and really exist as the people of God. Now, before I actually start all things, I know for sure that with a lot of things happening around us, um, many of us right now, you know, are in this lockdown situation once more. And it, it can feel like, it can feel like, God, really, what will happen next? And What's happening in this country with the situation with vaccination and everything in between. But today, as we talk about how we as a, as a people could unite under one God, we talk about also how this God empowers us to really live this life victoriously. So I hope you are ready. I hope that you're with your family, you're tagging your friends, and we're going to talk about the second letter of Timothy before that. Um, I remember this story of, you know, I have the privilege of working with several people, you know, with different kinds of generation. Before going full-time, I was a teacher for around 9, 10 years. Got the privilege of serving college students, high school students. And now that I'm serving in the ministry, I have the privilege to serve our ministry training, our pastors who are being trained and our, our leaders in this church through the Leadership 113. Shout out to you guys who are part of our Leadership 113 classes. And what I, what I learned is this. That no matter what age you are in, there are differences, yet there are things that unite us. And in many ways, as we look to the story of this man named Paul, as he writes this letter to Timothy, he highlights those similarities. And, and in the same way, I believe the whispers of this old text would breathe new life to us in this generation. So, um. In, I think it was two weeks ago, I was talking to one young person and, you know, we were talking about games and online stuff and we came across, we started talking about how uh, he is into watching games that are being streamed. So that caught my attention because I really didn't understand it. So I asked him, so can you tell me more about that? Streaming games and you watch people Playing, right? So that's that's the point. So you're watching someone instead of playing um, Dota, you're actually watching someone play Dota and you're doing that, right? For hours. Yeah, Pastor, I'm doing that. And I'm enjoying it. Really? And I, I can't understand it for the life of me. And, and he uses a very interesting um, parallel that I really, that because of he said this, it made sense to me. He says, but pastor, do you play basketball? Um, sometimes. Do you watch NBA? Yes. Do you enjoy it? Yes. It's the same thing. 
I may not be playing the game, but I'm watching someone who's really, really excellent in it. And I'm enjoying it. The same way that you watch NBA and you enjoy. There are differences. There are language differences. There are things that we do not understand right away. But if we think about what the Bible says about these differences in generation, we start arriving at what Paul and what the Bible says, how we should value the next generation. In fact, um, to frame the letter of Paul and, and give sense, before we read the text, give sense into how the early generation valued the next generation. This is how, this is one letter that was excavated, written June, 1, uh, June 17 on the 1st BC. Think about this. This is the first century. This letter was found and this letter is addressed from one Hilarion to uh, his wife. And then what he was saying is this. He says, um, Many greetings also to my lady, Boreas and Apollinarian. So what he was saying while he was far away, this, this guy named Hilarion is writing this letter to his wife and telling her that, you know, I'm going to send you my salary once I get it and please take care of the child. So what we know as we read this letter is that they will have a child. And hear what, what he says about it. Above all, if you bear a child and it is a male, let it be. If it is a female, cast it out. First century in the world of Paul, this guy writes a letter to his wife and says, if our child is a guy, is a male, keep it. And if it's a female, throw it out. This is how much value they put in the next generation during that time. The next generation was a tool to propagate riches of the previous generation. And here, in contrast to this, when we read the words of Paul, we see the value that the gospel is bringing because of the love of God. So, let's read it together. If you have your Bible, 2 Timothy um, chapter 1, verses 8 to 14, we're going to read a few verses together. And these verses would speak about how Paul encourages this young man, Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8 to 14. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been made manifest through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I'm su I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, but by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. 
Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. Thank you that we get to think about your word. We think about this, this value that we have, that in this community, whom you call by name, we are united by your love. And today as we think about your word, may this be so true. Just so many things that can hit us, that can make us suffer. But thank you, but I, your Holy Spirit would be the one to touch our lives. Teach us today for my friends who are in the season of suffering and asking for grace. I pray that they would meet you through this preaching. For those who are new, I pray that they, you would speak to them in the most personal manner. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. I always say this, whenever we're reading things in the Bible, the best way to understand it is to understand the stories that lie not only in it, but behind it. You may have heard of Paul and Timothy, you know, if you're a person who grew up in a Christian home, you, you attended church, you may be familiar with Paul and this young man named Timothy. You read a little bit of their story in Acts chapter 16, though I won't jump to that. You know, we're going to stick with the letter of Timothy, really stay there and study what Paul is saying there. But um, the best way to describe this is that Paul is this guy who goes around cities and he ended up in Lystra where Timothy was there and he started preaching and this young man named Timothy started following Jesus. Now the next um, missionary journey, Paul's, Paul comes again to Lystra and this time Timothy comes with him. And Timothy becomes a disciple. It's, it's a simple way of saying that you are a follower of Jesus, not a fancy Christian word. Though today we kind of think I'm a disciple, right? So a disciple simply means a person who follows Jesus, a student of God through his word and his community. So you are maybe some of you are disciples and it's, and it's an amazing thing. And maybe you're not. And I hope that through this preaching, you get to know this Jesus and you would want to be a disciple too. But more of that as we go along. So this young man... Timothy started following Paul and then eventually as Paul preaches the gospel, he ended up in prison. Now, imagine this. As a young man, you've left everything, all opportunities that you have in your city, which is a relatively good city, Lystra at that time. You know, you have the opportunity to work, the opportunity to have a family, the opportunity to do things that, you know, in many ways, a young man's dream. But for some reason, this guy who followed Paul, he followed Paul and eventually Paul ended up in prison. And, and, and this is where things get complicated, right? Because the guy you have been following and the guy you've been learning from is now in prison and what do you do as a young man? So the first letter, Timothy, he addresses some of the things that Paul is, you know, addressing. Second letter specifically addresses things that are happening in the world. In their time, many people started moving away from Christianity. Because the guy who, who went around preaching it went to prison. And, and there's no sense continuing following Jesus if the guy who ministered to me is now in prison. Maybe he's wrong. <laughs> and maybe, maybe, just maybe, if I continue following him, I too might end up in prison. In fact, in 2 Timothy, uh, you will see some of those guys, Paul names them, uh, really. Um, and and as, as, as Paul talks about these people, 
he's centering his attention to Timothy, this young minister who he sends around in the churches and telling this young minister to hold on to God. So that's, that's essentially the core of 2 Timothy. To hold on to God, to continue pressing on because of who God is. So what do we learn from that as we think about generation we? Generation you and me. Think about that for a moment. We live in a world that is so divided with so many different things. Divided by our allegiance to a certain country, your favorite K-pop band, I don't know how, what you call them. You know, if you're a, an army or a, I don't know what others would be called, but sometimes we're divided by our differences in our preferences, but sometimes we're divided by our generation. Yet in the Bible, we see an image of how God unites people. By His grace and through the gospel. So what could we learn? Why should we? Basically, I have three questions throughout this preaching. And and basically, I'd be talking about what unites us. And hopefully, the Lord will challenge us to unite under Him and really live out this value that we have on the next generation. So why should we think generation we? Why generation we? Why shouldn't we divide ourselves into your generation, my generation? So Paul starts this way. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So he starts drawing in, at least at this section. By the way, whenever you read the word therefore, you always need to ask, what is it? Therefore, when you step back, Paul is telling Timothy that by the laying of hands, God gave us the spirit of, if you read it, verse 7, the spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. By the way, as a quick aside, we all need this, especially today. I remember A.W. Tozer saying that in this fearful world, we need a church that is fearless. Our fearlessness comes from the words like from words like this that we have the spirit of not of fear but of power love and self-control so paul started with that and then he continues therefore do not be ashamed of testimony about our lord look at that those words two words our lord what was paul saying why should we think generation we not just your generation. That's not, not just my generation. Why should we think generation we? If you read these two sentences, very long sentences, by the way, from 8 to 14, you'll notice, you should notice that there are seven times in these two sentences that the word or related ideas um, to the word God is present. All throughout the two, the, this, these verses, these two long sentences, he says God around seven times. Jesus Christ, He. So all related ideas to God. Which gives you insight to what really is valuable for Paul. Right? What he's trying to, to remind Timothy as people are falling back of the faith. Younger guys and some guys that are of the other generation. Paul is saying, hey, remember we're united by God. That, that the reason 
why we should think, the first reason why we should think generation we, because we are united by one true God. And, and you know, of course, that sounds, of course, Pastor Jay, and you know, we're united by one God. But one of the things that maybe we'd not, we do not notice nowadays is this. We have been experts in weaponizing our differences. The older generation would say, nung panahon namin, pag nadapa kami, may palo pa. <laughs> pag ngayon, nadapa. Nung panahon namin, during my time, things that you didn't learn. And, and the younger generation would say, okay, boomer. And this, this um, generational elitism, as I'd like to call it, as if one generation gets it, you know, more than the other. We have learned so much that our differences should be weaponized and thrown at each other. Whether again, that's generation, age, gender, allegiance to a certain group, country, or whatever. But the Bible, Paul, lures us in and reminds us what unites us is greater. It's God himself, our God. Timothy, hey. Young generation. What leads you to this community, I pray, is not your parent only, but by the grace of God, his Holy Spirit. I hope that you're sitting in your couch listening to this in your room, not because you're forced on a Sunday morning, but because God himself knows you and you know, deep in your heart, you love him. I pray that. Because what will carry you through this life is not your simple profession that I am a Christian. It's not your attending church, by God, but God himself. What unites us, our generations, the generation that have come before us, the older generation, whatever age you might think that is, the next generation, what unites us is God himself. Our God, as Paul says. And if there's, there's just one reason why we should think generation we, this is just one of the most important reasons. And in fact, if there, that reason is removed, nothing else should, re should really unite us. Not this service, not our one-to-ones, not our programs. It is God. By His grace, you're drawn to love Him. In fact, that's, that's what Paul is saying, right? If you think about it. Because at that time, it was so easy for Timothy to fall away and say, I, I don't want to follow this Jesus anymore. You, Paul, you're going to die anytime soon, Paul. So, me, you know what? I'm going to go back to Lystra and maybe uh, get a wife and, you know, start something different and just, just live out a different life. In fact, people have done that. But Timothy, Paul is saying, hey, hold on to God. Not just, you know, whispers of stuff that you might think you're pledging allegiance to. In 1961, 
this is very famous, this line. John F. Kennedy, JFK, says, um, in his address to the Canadian Parliament, uh, he addressed them in one of the most famous lines. He says there, what unites us is far greater than what divides us. He was talking about their commerce and the proximity of Canada to America. And he say, he's saying, what unites us is greater than what divides us. And in many ways, I think about it. And I think about generation we, why we should think generationally, multi-generationally. And I believe, in many ways, we can say it this way, that He who unites us is far greater than anything that should divide us. Satan is rejoicing when we are divided over the most menial things. We're in a battle where Satan is luring us to think, hey, ako na yan. That we're divided over the most simple things. Within the church, it's crazy. But it's true. I hope that what would unite us really is what Paul would say, our God, even through shame and suffering. In fact, that's the next idea. If we say that we're united into one thing because of God, of who He is, right? Second reason, as you read through this over and over, spend time in reading this, over and over, Paul alludes to the fact that, hey, Timothy, we share the same message. So we, we think generationally because we're united by the one true God, but also we think generationally because we are united by one message. And that is the gospel. He says this in, uh, in verse 8. He says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in the suffering for the gospel by the power of God. This older minister is talking to a younger minister saying, Hey, Timothy, would you share the suffering for the gospel? Would you take the step of faith, even if a lot of things are uncertain, would you stand and say, this good news of Jesus actually is really important? Because in the midst of shame and suffering, it's so easy to step back from the Christian faith. And maybe there are some of you who are joining us have gone through a lot of shame and a lot of suffering that you have chosen to say, well, maybe that Christian thing's not for me. Or maybe, just maybe, you were invited to a Christian community and then, you know, you watch this and, you know, everything's going to be great when you follow Jesus. That when you say yes and accept Him as your Lord and Savior, it's going to be all rainbows and unicorns. You won't have any problems. You won't have COVID. You're immune to it. By the way, that's not true. Get the vaccine if you can. Paul reminds the young Timothy, would you share shame and suffering for the gospel's sake, for the good news' sake? Which, which Paul expands. You read it, you know. He will, he will talk about this gospel. He would say, um, this God who saved us and called us to a holy calling, verse 9. Not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in 
King Jesus or Christ Jesus before the ages began and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, the good news. This is the gospel. Timothy, remember this. It is God who will hold us together. It is God who joins us together for the purpose of his gospel. And this is the gospel. That we're not in this because we're good enough. That we're not in this because we said a prayer. Because our, our parents are Christians. We're in this because by the grace of God, not by our works, He called us to a holy calling. He saved us first and called us to a holy calling. What a beautiful picture of the gospel truth. That it's not just saving us, which you know makes us a people really, that, that really would worship Him. But at the same time, it sets us out to live a life with a calling. Younger generation, you'll hear this a lot. You've heard this from this pulpit. You've heard this from your parents. But I hope there's something that the Bible tells us. You have been called a wonderful calling. If you're a Christian, if you're here, you follow Jesus and you love Jesus, God did not intend for you to just be saved and that's it. To watch Sunday services on the comforts of our couches, while that is great, by the way, we're called to live a life that gives glory to Him. That doesn't make us any better as a Christian. It's just as an expression or allegiance to the true King. We're united by the one true God, by the one true Lord of the universe. We're united by the message of King Jesus who calls us by grace through faith. And lastly, we are called to fulfill one mission. We're not only united by this one powerful God. We're not only united by this powerful gospel that we are to know and embrace, but we are also to fulfill the mission of the gospel. In fact, in, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse towards the end, verse 12, he says, this is why I suffer, right? So I have been appointed as a preacher and apostle of the teacher of the gospel. So that's what Paul is saying. I've been doing this. This is why I'm suffering. And he says, but I am not ashamed for I know whom I have believed. Let me pause there. Whether you're young or you're old, if you're a follower of Jesus, this is what will carry us through shame and suffering, that we know who we believed, that we know Him truly. And when we continue reading, we see this. He says, I am convinced that He is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. And then He shifts gears and gives another, um, you know, a call to the life of of Timothy he says, follow the pattern of sound words that you had heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Guard the good deposit entrusted to you. That, that Timothy 
is being called to follow the pattern. So there's a pattern to follow. A life that Paul lived that led him to suffer. Think about this for a moment. This is the kind of Christianity that this Bible is calling us to. I'm not saying that all of Christianity is suffering. If you're a follower of Christ, you know that it's not all suffering. But we also know that we should be ready when it comes. Not because we are people who love suffering, but because we are ready for it when it comes. And we as a generation, we're united by one the one true God. We're united by the same message, the gospel, that says whatever age you are, whether you're 16 or 65, it's the same grace, the same gospel. I always say this, the grace of God is the platform in which all of us, regardless of gender, age, or social status, are equal. All of us are sinners saved by grace. And we start thinking about these things uniting us together. We start seeing each other with the kind of value that God placed in us through the gospel. Think about it. Since we have one mission, think about the sweet sound of the harmony of voices of different generations proclaiming Jesus is King. Yet, Many times, we're caught up in this generational battle where we say, you guys are too weak. You guys are too slow. You guys don't know. When will we? Whether you are in the first generation. I like using that phrase, by the way. First generation. Not old, because some people get offended when they… Yeah. Anyway, um, the first generation. When will we reach out to that next generation? Because when we reframe it, we're both of this generation, right? We're generation now. We're alive, breathing, following this Jesus if you're a follower of Christ. When will we reach out and say, okay, since we are united by one God, united in one message, united in this one mission, will we hold our hands despite our differences and difficulties in navigating through those differences and let's walk towards this mission? The first generation. By the second, the internet is developing content that aims to inform, educate, disciple the next generation. By the second, millions of gigabytes are being uploaded. Some of them helpful, some of them outright. They are aimed to destroy the minds of the next generation. From pornography to everything in between. What will we do? Will we stand apathetic to the fact that the enemy is taking the next generation, hook, line, and sinker? What are we doing? If you're a parent, like me, I look at my three-year-old and I, I could only pray so much. And say, God, I pray that you would miraculously work in her heart. But also use me. Because every single day, the enemy is out to get her. Will I be there 
to be a kind of Paul saying, you know what, it's not going to be easy, but this God is going to carry us through. Something that you must notice in the text, right? So he says that, and we're suffering, yes, but it is the power of the Spirit that carries us through. Even if the mission's difficult. The, the, genera- the next generation always asks for trust. Will you trust me enough? And the first generation always thinks, are you disciplined enough for that trust? The first generation always thinks, this young generation, they do not respect us. And the next generation always thinks, you don't love us enough. Hey, we have our limitations. Trust issues, discipline issues, respect issues, love issues. But will we trust God enough? So much so that we will respect one another, love each other, regardless of those differences. To step back and listen. To step back and know. Whether you're from the first generation or you're of the next generation, we are the generation today. We're alive. We're called by one God in this one message, the gospel, to this one mission to proclaim His glory. As Paul ends this letter, he says, For I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. Talking to Timothy. There's a sense in which Paul is saying, you know what? My life's being drawn out of me. And anytime, while on prison, somebody can knock on the door and say, Paul, it's your time to go to the death sentence. He says, and the time of my departure has come, 2 Timothy 4, 6, 8. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved His appearing. Towards the end of the letter, Paul says, you know what? I've, I've you know, run this race. And I say, pass it on to you, Timothy, because we're of this generation we. Would you embrace this God as well? Because it's going to take this. It's running, fighting. It's a grueling world that we are in. Yet by the grace of God, whatever age, whatever differences, will we consider really who this God is, what message unites us, and how this mission should shape us. Every year we have this time where we talk about the young generation. Every year we preach how this gospel is so powerful, therefore we value the next generation. We don't just do this out of habit, out of necessity but because we realize how much God values the next generation. If not of men and women who love Jesus, I am not sure what kind of life I would be living. When 2007, I was invited to a victory church. I was a student. 
barely you know, knowing what I would do. But by the grace of God, He used campus missionaries, leaders in the, the university. By God's grace, my life, I look forward to God's grace every single day. So, as we think about these things, as we think about God's call for this community to value the next generation, I want us to think about how powerful, imagine with me, if every single person in this service right now would just start thinking, praying, supporting the work in the campuses. Whether you're, you just came in and you know, you're not sure if this church is for you, Think about with me. Imagine a world where we are as passionate in reaching the next generation as the idols and the influencers in YouTube. When we pour out our energy, our resources to reaching out the next generation. Imagine a world like that. Because we have a chance to do that. For some of you, it'd be about praying. In fact, after this, we're going to pray for our campus missionaries, our parents, our young people, our our campuses here in the South. For some of you, it means giving. And I do not take this lightly because this is something that is a grace that God is giving you. Maybe this helping a campus missionary, supporting the work through a campus missionary. We have several here in the South. I know them personally. In fact, there's a link. We're going to show it, you know. Click this link and then we want to get in touch with you. We want to talk to you more about how we have this grand opportunity to back up with action what we say on Sunday. If we truly are the generation we, we want to take this step. For some of you, it's going to campuses. Maybe you're a student. Maybe you're praying to do work in the campus. I believe God has given you that desire and I pray God would lead you as well. As we take this to a close, as Paul dies, Timothy takes over the churches. Timothy dies, the next generation of preachers and pastors take over and then they die and on and on until today. We don't live forever, but by the grace of God, we can pass on this legacy of one God, one gospel, one mission. And we can start it today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the grace, your word, may be so true that it cuts through all the noise that is around us, all the division within homes right now. There are divisions with amongst parents and children. I pray in the name of Jesus, you would unite them, reconcile relationships. For those, I pray for those parents who have young kids, teenagers, young adults, I pray, Lord God, that you would continue to journey with them. 
bring the fire of the truth and the gospel in their hearts so that they may lead their families towards you. I pray for the fathers that by the grace of God, by your grace, their shoulders will be able to carry the leadership mantle you have given them. I pray for mothers that they would support and lead the family the way they're designed to. I pray for children that a holy kind of respect would come forth in this generation. A kind of love that's so unique that can only come from the gospel. I pray for the campuses. Even in this online uh, learning situation, I pray that the same Holy Spirit would touch men and women from our campuses that would be led to you. I pray for our campus missionaries. Thank you, God, that you're going to provide for everything they need. Thank you for that the seal of the gospel and the joy of the Lord will carry them through. I pray for our church, Lord. You see us. You see our passion for the next generation. But it's only fueled. It's only source and it's only destination is you, oh God. Pray for those who are suffering in this season. I pray that the God who Paul and Timothy talks about, the God who we should know, would carry us through all these pains. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. As we, I want to take this opportunity. If you are a person who, you know, you're still here, and I know I prayed already, but the grace of God led you to just commit to Him and say, I don't know that God. I don't know that message. It's the first time I heard that. I don't even want to be part of that mission. Here. This God is inviting you to a relationship. Now, I'm not talking about attending Sunday. I'm not talking about, you know, signing up to a form. Though those things are great. I'm talking about a personal relationship with the God of the universe who loves you so much. He lived, died, and rose again so that if you believe in Him, you'll be renewed. You'll be set to a path towards Him. If you're that person, I want to pray for you and pray with you, in fact. Lord, I pray that this person is coming to you. As he follows or she follows this prayer, I pray that you will call them, Lord God. In fact, follow this prayer. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and only by your grace I am saved. That you lived, died, and rose again. That as I believe in you, you will be with me forevermore. Guide me in this life until I see you again. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. for listening make sure to subscribe and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram feel free to share this message with your friends too for more information about our church visit our website at www.victorialabang.church